How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Deep Zone Pod, bringing you up-to-date sports talk news from around the NBA, NFL with hot topics, trade news, playoff and draft discussion, debates, you name it, we got you covered. Unfiltered with hot takes on your favorite teams and players, some you're going to like, and, well, others not so much. The Deep Zone Pod has you covered for all your hot sports news. Just remember, this shit's unfiltered. How's it going, everyone? Jake and Mark here with a quick discussion on the Clippers' future after a brutal loss in Game 7 to the Nuggets, which I'm pretty pissed about. But we're also going to kind of talk about a little bit of Paul George's future with the team, kind of where that might be, maybe a trade on the horizon possibly. Get a little bit into that. Um, Doc Rivers maybe possibly exiting as a head coach of the team. We'll see maybe a possible new head coach stepping in if that guy's on their uh, coaching staff right now or if it's going to be someone from the outside looking in. Not gonna lie, I'm pretty damn pissed off as a Clipper fan that they lost. As I said in episode two, um, during our Eastern Conference Finals discussion, I was, as well as the rest of the basketball world, to be honest, was really looking forward to the Clippers versus Lakers. And also see my team just advance to the Conference Finals, to be quite honest, for the first time in team history. So it would have been fun, but clearly it didn't happen. So so much for that. And Mark, I mean, I hope you're doing better than I am. After that damn good game one of the Heat Celtics, he came over with a win, obviously, after the damn uh, just filthy block at the rim on Jason Tatum. Uh, what do you think of that? Look, man, we were down early, but never in doubt. With this team, as long as we can keep it within about, you know, 10 to 8 points going into the fourth quarter, we got a chance because we're just one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league. And once again, Jimmy and Bam just come up big time. Tyler Hero come up big time. Drogic big time. Crowder big time. That's just what the Heat do, and that's been pretty much the story of that team in the second half of the season. Yeah, the Celtics came out firing, too. It was a pretty quick start for them. I think they were up like almost 10 or 15 points early, and then the bench came in, and – all of a sudden, the came and started slowly flipping the, the Heat's favor. As we kind of discussed, that was a place where the Heat probably had the favor. They had some plus-minus differences over there, but once the Heat kind of got their bench in the game in the first place, that kind of just flipped the tone quickly for the team. And it's kind of what we were looking for, so it was fun to see there. But um, it's kind of, like, as I said, not seeing the Lakers and Clippers. It kind of was our big discussion today, but the Clippers mostly. But I heard discussion just real quick because we want to touch on the Clippers. Just looking forward to playing the Lakers on kind of the series as a whole time throughout this playoffs and throughout the season, they were both obviously looking forward to the matchup with the battle of LA, the King of LA, Kawhi's commercials, all that LeBron, obviously being the King and all that. So, I mean, there's been discussion just nonstop. People wanted to see it and we all got turned away from it. So, I mean, all year you could see the Clippers were really showing up for those games. They really wanted to show up and quite frankly beat the Lakers ass and show them that they were the best team in LA and they were, a capable championship contender, but they weren't. And I mean, we talked about it all year, Mark. I mean, I saw it. You continuously told me every time you just see every time the Clippers go out, they want to just beat their ass. They don't care about any other game on the schedule. It's when they see the Lakers on the schedule, their eyes flash up and it's just go time. That's what matters. And we don't see the best of the Clippers unless they're playing the Lakers. So. Yeah, man. Like you just said, pretty much echoing it. The, the, the Clippers, you could tell, even before they stepped on the court the first time in the summer league, I remember uh, right after the Clippers had signed Paul, well, made the trade for Paul George, sign and trade, uh, and got Kawhi. You kind of seen Pat Bev. I seen him walk past LeBron. It was a like Pat Bev and Lou Will. They walked past LeBron in the summer league, 
if Pat Bev like shook hands with him, but he refused to make any eye contact. You know, that's kind of the guy Pat Bev is. He's more of a competitor, uh, looking to make enemies, especially star players around the league. He likes to frustrate them. And you could just tell, like I said, from game one opening day that the Clippers, they were motivated to play the Lakers. And that's all it was about. And even going on after that game's in the regular season, you kind of just seen the focus wasn't there consistently on a night out basis. Um, they would take games off, lose to teams they shouldn't lose to. They're just way more talented. And then you'd see they'd come back and play the Lakers and, you know, snap of the finger, they're right back motivated. And I just seen that all season long and I knew that they could potentially get into a playoff series before they meet uh, matched up with the Lakers and they could lay an egg like they did because they're just looking forward to that matchup with the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, like you, like you said, it was just all season. You can see it. I watched, I didn't watch every game. I'll be honest, but I watched a decent amount of their games throughout the year and you can just see the energy. I mean, players are taking it off throughout the year. You kind of heard rumblings, Clippers players, Clippers teammates were kind of upset. Kawhi and Paul George were kind of getting fair treatment or unfair treatment, I would say, just getting games off. And they were kind of expected to go out there every night and kind of compete their ass off and try to find wins. And you're not playing with your best players. You're not playing with the guys that are making 50% of your team's salary. And it, it, I mean, it pisses some grinders off on the team. The team's filled with, like you said, guys that are competitors and grinders just like Beverly. And it'll turn some people the wrong way, especially when you're not making as much money as them. So yeah, it's definitely something. And then they play the Lakers, and here they are. They're here to compete, and that's all that really mattered to them. So I saw it, too. It's just something they're going to have to definitely get past if they want to compete with this roster because they literally blew a series 3-1 to one when they had Lakers right in front of them, and they couldn't just focus on a series or really even just a second half. I mean, they focused on the first game or um, game six or game five and game six, and they blew the game 19-16 to 16 point lead. And it just was ugly. I mean, that kind of leads into our next discussion on Doc Rivers. Like, is this the end? Is this is this kind of the end for Doc Rivers? Is this is kind of becoming, quite frankly, the norm for him. I mean, this is the second time this has happened. They've blown three one leads, and it's not exactly like the most common thing. And I think this is the thirteenth time in NBA history, and the Nuggets just did it back to back series. So it's pretty rare to see this happen. And Doc Rivers has been a part of it twice with the Clippers back in twenty fifteen. They lost to Houston, and they were up for one, kind of same deal when they had the uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan kind of trio going there. And here they are this year with Kawhi and PG at the top, and they go out the same way, a 3-1 lead, and they can't get to the conference finals. They're 0-7 now, all-time trying to get to the conference finals with Doc Rivers. I think that puts him now 0-6. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can bring him back. He's a good coach, but people are having their questions now is can this guy actually get over the hump again? He did it with the, with the Celtics, but I don't know. He had Hall of Fame players, quite a Hall of Fame player, but I'm not sure Paul George is. So I don't know. Who do you think is going to maybe step in? Do you think they're going to bring Doc back? Um, I mean, Doc will always be an option. You know, he just kind of has that respect around the league, whether he wins or uh, loses. You just hear so many people say, that uh, Doc's a great coach. You know, players always speak highly of Doc. Rondo speak highly of him. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, uh, all the guys that were on those uh, rosters with the Celtics back in the day. And, you know, there is there is a couple good uh, coaching candidates out there. Uh, for one, you have two guys who are already a part of the coaching staff with uh, Tyron Lue 
and Sam Cassell. So if they do get rid of Doc Rivers, I think those two are two guys that you have uh, that are already in the organization and know the organization well, and they can kind of just step in and take over for Doc, and maybe it'll be, you know, a new face. Players will feel, you know, refreshed, something new, and maybe they'll be more motivated again. And then there's two uh, other coaches that just hit the market, both from the Western Conference. Uh, Billy Donovan just told the Thunder he was not going to renew his contract, and the same with Mike D'Antoni. Those are two coaching options that could come in and coach the Clippers and give them, you know, fresh start. What do you think? I mean, as a Clipper fan, hearing them name Mike D'Antoni in L.A. just makes me cringe, to be quite honest. I just wouldn't want it. But if you think about it, his team is almost in a position to kind of play his style. We don't really have a center that we're kind of tied to. We're losing Harold as well. So, I mean, we could play small if he wants to kind of bring that style to us. I'm not sure that style can win a championship. But, I mean... With what we have, it might be worth a shot, but I'd prefer someone else. I think Tyron Lue or Cassell is probably the best option. I think they can kind of be a little more of like a motivator, I would guess, than Doc is. I, I feel like Doc's, Doc's a great coach, like you said. Nothing against him, but I think when it comes to situations, it's, it's just tough for him to get over that hump and make his players kind of get that kick in the ass and just be like, hey, guys, this is – we're up 3-1. We're a great team. We just need to get over the hump, and if that's it. Like, but I don't know if he has that ability to kind of rally his team and stuff anymore. It's just not the way the NBA is. you got to be different now. And I don't know. It's just a different feel right now. I think, a, like you said, I, I think a different feel is kind of what this team needs. It's crazy. It sounds it's been one year. But everyone's going to probably say, oh, it's been one year. They can gel together. But I don't know. We're going to get into a discussion real quick on kind of their future. But the coach I would want out of those ones, I would say, is probably – I'll say Sam Cassell because I just think that guy's kind of built to be a really good coach kind of in the future. I just think he has a lot built. He's been on a few good teams and seen a lot. He's been a good player in his career and also I think he's kind of the next guy that's built out to be a really strong head coach. But then you're bringing in a guy who's never done it before. So it's a tough situation to ask him to win. It's something that the Nets are doing too with Steve Nash. So I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't know what's the best decision for this team right now. We're in a big hole. Um, but yeah, we're going to get to the next one. I, I think – this is a big discussion. I think this is where stuff needs to change, whether it's with the start of a head coach or maybe Doc stays. I don't know. But I think I think the team needs to explore training Paul George. I don't know if you feel the same way. I have a feeling you do, but I don't know. This guy just – he's a good player. In the right system, he fits. I'm not sure this is the right system. He's a good defensive guy, just like Kawhi, just like Beverly. But none of them, in my opinion, are great ball handlers. They're – Kawhi's a good ball handler. Paul George as well. They can make plays for their team, but they can't do that on a consistent basis. Non-stop throughout a game. Beverly's not that type of player. He's just a spot-up guy there to play defense. And I don't know. I think they need, need that ball handler, can kind of consistent just threat with the ball in their hands. Kawhi and Paul George are great off the ball. Give them a little more space to work. And I don't know. I just think that would be best for them. I think Paul George getting traded is the best decision. We looked over some teams and – as much as I say I think he needs to get traded, there's only a, maybe one team that might even want him because I don't, I don't see hardly any of these teams really going after him and giving up, obviously, what we're going to ask for because we just gave up five picks plus Shea plus Gallinari or Paul George. Well, the trade that I think works for both teams because I think it fits both teams, I think uh, you trade Paul George to the Philadelphia 76ers for Joel Embiid. 
I think that's a perfect swap for both teams. If you notice tonight on the Clippers end, um, they kind of lacked uh, the ability to guard Jokic. Jokic just did whatever he wanted pretty much most of the game. And if you didn't double team him, he scored. And when you did double team him, he always found the open man. He had some ridiculous stat line triple double tonight. So it's clear to me that I feel the Clippers need a big to protect the paint against, you know, the Jokic's and the ADs of the Western Conference. And I think for the Sixers in, it fits perfect because I don't think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are good together. It's pretty obvious. I think they just slide over Al Horford to the five to replace Embiid, move Tobias to the four, Paul George at the three, uh, Josh Richardson at the two, and Ben Simmons stays at the point guard. And I think that's better for Ben Simmons because he gets to hold the ball, you know, operate the offense. He doesn't have to worry about um, Embiid, who just wants to play from the post. He can kind of run pick and pop with Al Horford, uh, get Paul George some ISO situations as long as to, uh, as well as Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson. And I think that just makes the Sixers better, and I kind of think it makes uh, the Clippers better as well. Yeah, I think it made the Clippers better. And as you said, the, the Sixers need to change it up. They're, whatever thing they thought was good with Horford and Embiid as a pair with Ben Simmons on the roster, I'm not too sure. With Tobias as well, with resetting him, I just don't know how they thought that was a good decision. But here they are. They're going to need to make a change. And this just makes too much sense on both ends. Like you said, it opens up a lot for the 76ers. And I think it opens up a lot for the Clippers as well. Like we, There's no other way I see us getting a big man on this roster or even someone capable of kind of playing the position with the roster situation and the cap situation we're in and who's available. And he's just, I mean, MB's one of the better players in the league and he's one of the best centers in the league, regardless of who you're looking at. So, I mean, if you can add a guy like that, I think you go for it. He fits with Kawhi super, I mean, he fits with Cliff Kawhi great. And you have one of the better defenders on the wing and one of the better defenders in the paint. And you got a strong point guard defender as well. You have another guy who can just said play out of the post. It opens up a little more for Kawhi kind of having the ball a little more in his hand, but Still, I think they're lacking with, with the ball handlers. They have the will, but I like him in a scoring role more than a kind of creator. But, yeah, I think it makes both teams better. I'm not sure if the Clippers still have enough to win, quite frankly. This, they don't have a lot of depth past that. Their contract situations are just honestly bad. They don't have a lot going for them unless they can kind of convince people to sign better minimums and really low contracts. It's going to be tough for them. But um, do you want to touch on anything else? Yeah, you could just look at the uh... – Clippers roster, what it would be like if they did that trade. I already went over the Sixers. Yeah, you'd have someone like Pat Bev, uh, Landry Shaman at your two, Kawhi. You'd obviously have to look to get a power forward because their power forward situation is not great. I mean, Morris is going to be a free agent who was a key piece for you guys this season. I don't think you're going to get him back. Jermichael Green, I don't think you want to roll out that guy as your starting power forward. Maybe as a backup player, I think he's a respectable option. Definitely not a starter. And then you got Lou Will off the bench. Obviously, you could plug Lou Will into that starting lineup for Shamit. You know, maybe that makes your lineup look a little bit better. But I think everyone knows Lou Will's best off the bench. Like you said, coming in is that score. And he doesn't have to focus on, you know, starter. He can come in and play against bench players, which is better for him in the long run. And I think it's better for the Clippers. So it's going to be interesting for the Clippers. I know there's a couple free agent power forwards out there. Maybe you can convince a Paul Millsap because I know he's a free agent or a Serge Ibaka and Serge Ibaka could fit in well, uh, help rim protect with Joel Embiid and he can step out and shoot the three. 
Same with Paul Millsap, an underrated defender, and he could step out and shoot the three, and he has a good post game. So I think those are viable options for the Clippers, but those could be long shots as well. Those guys are respectable players, and they might get money from other teams. Yeah, I think I think they definitely could command decent contracts unless they're just looking to strict win. They might just take the pay cut, but yeah, they're going to have to try to make something work because it's a tough situation right now. They don't have a lot of cap. They don't have a lot of bench depth, and their starters are good, but they lack some major holes, and I don't know. It's going to be tough. They, they were really pressed to win this year, and it didn't pan out. Clearly, they're out, so on to the next year. Let's see where it led, leads to, but our last little quick discussion, just kind of do we think Kawhi made the right decision leading the Raptors or coming to the Clippers? I think, personally myself, I think he made a fine decision. I don't know if the Raptors were built long-term. I think they were good this year. I think once they lost Van Fleet, like they're about to, they would obviously not be able to re-sign him. They lost a few other guys as well. So, I mean, I think long-term they weren't really cut out because I think that system pretty needing of what they had, a Kyle Lowry, a Van Fleet, obviously a Kawhi and a Siakam getting better. But I know the East is getting better with the Heat already showing they're great and same with the Celtics. So I'm not sure if the Raptors had long-term success there. I see where Kawhi wanted, obviously, with the, with the superstar power in L.A. with Paul George, but – I don't know. It's a tough situation. He's closer to home, so that definitely played a factor, but I would say he made the right decision. What do you think? I always uh, believe he should have stayed with the Raptors. Um, I think the roster situation was fine. Um, yes, they could have lost Van Vliet this year, but I think they would have had easily another chance to go back-to-back as champs, and I always feel, my personal opinion, I think it's hard to leave a team when you win a championship. I don't. I didn't understand that. I thought the roster was good. They would have had Kyle Lowry. Yes, maybe they lost Danny Green, but Danny Green's replaceable. You can always find a spot-up shooter for the men. You could have got someone like Kyle Korver, you know, someone like that. Um, I just thought it was smart. It would have been smart for him to stay in Toronto. I think they pretty much did everything for him. If you go back and look, he wanted to load manage. They did that for him, you know, they did a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff his uncle wanted. You know, his uncle was a huge part of his free agency decision. They were kind of willing to do whatever Kawhi wanted. Any roster decisions. I know they even offered to trade for Paul George, who was on the Clippers this season. So he could have done that. He had that option. But clearly, you know, he just wanted to go home in L.A. That's what it was about at the end of the day. So, I mean, if if he wanted to go to L.A., I guess it's the right decision for him. But Ultimately, I think he should have stayed in Toronto and attempted to go back-to-back because, you know, that's a hard feat, and not a lot of teams do that. And to do that in Toronto, I think that would have been monumental monumental for his legacy. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I definitely think they had a chance to go back-to-back. I question the long-term success, but if, like you said, if you can go back-to-back with any team, you can win a championship with any team, period, you should give it a shot. Going back-to-back, nonetheless, is tough to pass up. But he decided to, so it is what it is. I think it was fine. You think it was wrong. We'll leave it at that. We're going to end the episode on that. Just kind of quick, just quick little discussion on what we think the Clippers might be doing. What we'll see. I mean, NBA offseason is going to be pretty wild. I'm pretty sure with everything that kind of went on with just COVID and just everything going on, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty fun offseason to kind of track and stuff. So we'll leave it at that and leave it with some plugs. And Mark, what do you got to plug? Um, you know, you can always check us out on Twitter. 
at Deep Zone Pod. We're on there, me and Jake, both on the account, posting funny stuff, trying to interact with people on social media to help grow what we're trying to put together at Deep Zone Pod. Um, obviously, we're not, we've just talked basketball, but we're not only going to talk basketball, we're also going to talk football. We look to do a, a football podcast this week, maybe a special guest. And yeah, just like I said, follow us on Deep Zone Pod and go Heat. <laughs> yeah, and uh, don't go Clippers because we freaking suck. But yeah, as you heard from Mark, follow us on Twitter. You can find us on podcasts anywhere. It's kind of slowly gotten up there as we get going. So slowly you'll be able to find podcasts anywhere. But until next Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Deep Zone Pod for all your sports news. Take care.